Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Vandalia, Michigan campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. Awesome. Well, we are finally here. We are finally at the the journey to Easter. We've been talking a a lot about it, and this is a series that we are going to be starting today that's going to be moving uh, through the next six weeks, ultimately up to Easter, which is April 1st. And we're going to be talking about a number of different aspects of the cross and how it impacts us as a community and just taking the time to turn our eyes to, to purposefully approach Easter together. Because I don't know about you, but often in, in my own life, we can get to Easter. All of a sudden, we oh, it's Easter. Where's my pastel shirt and my tie? And I'm going to throw that on. And then, oh, ham tonight? That's great. And then it's gone, right? But Easter is such a significant uh, uh, event is such a significant day in, in the church that we really wanted to take these next six weeks, the traditional season of Lent, to approach Easter together. And today we're going to be talking about community. We're going to be talking about community. And I just wanted to share a, a time that I really felt comfortable in a community. It's called Gen Con. This is the world's largest gaming convention. In Indianapolis, Indiana, tens of thousands of gamers from across the country and across the world descend on the convention center there in Indianapolis to play tabletop board games. And not your monopolies or your saris or your troubles, but games that take a few hours to play. Games that have a thick enough rule book that you have to refer back to it multiple times throughout the game. Games that Amber wishes were not on my game shelf. <laughs> no, I've got plenty of friends to play with. I, but I do, I do find 20 to 30 minute games that Amber can also enjoy, so, which, is, which is good. So anyway, so uh, I've not been to Gen Con in a, few, in a few years, but I went for three years in a row, and it was amazing. All these people, this is just a picture of people waiting for the doors to open so they could get into the dealer's hall. Here is just one of the ridiculous amount of rooms of tables with just some nerdy board game with nerdy people sitting across from each other pretending to be, I don't know, aliens or something in this one. Uh, So here's one that I've never played, but I always stand there and watch them. These guys are around this great big table. I don't know if it's 12 feet long, and it's obviously a big water place, and they've they've, they've actually built and painted all their own models of these pirate ships. And I don't know what they're doing. I don't know how they do it, but they seem to be having fun, and I just go, I wish I was part of that. That's so fun. I want to be a pirate. Um, so this is the dealer's hall, thousands and thousands of square feet of people selling board games and dice. Nerdville. Uh, also, at these places, people dress up. <laughs> Amber won't let me dress up, so I just... I'm just kidding. That's a joke. That's a joke. She would. I don't have the courage. And so on my left here, we have some amazing person that somehow dressed up like a Tauntaun in Han Solo. I don't know how they did it. I don't know what these people are on the right... Um, here's a couple of guys, Ghostbusters, everybody remember them? You can hardly tell the difference between them and the real thing, right? And uh, there's some, some ladies dressed up like hobbits, and that's a, those are actually really good costumes, and if you see, they, uh, their feet are covered with hair. Gross. 
I would not want to walk around the convention center in bare feet, but more power to them. They're hobbits, so they can do whatever they want. So, but there is something special about this place. Not that I knew everybody, not that I was into all the same stuff that everybody else was into, but there was, there was this camaraderie together. We all had come together for one thing, right? For this love of board games. And somehow that silly thing tied us or, or knit us together into community, even in the midst of the diversity of this event. And so I want to ask you guys a question this morning. When was a time where you felt safe and, and secure and comfortable in community? When have you felt like, oh, I really belong here? You know, maybe it was on a sports team. I know a lot of people, you know, find that, that uh, the camaraderie and the, the teamwork of a you know, basketball team or a volleyball team just knits them together. Right? Maybe it was a military unit draws people together and you just feel like, oh, this is where I belong. Maybe you have the, the luxury of being in a, in a workplace where it just is, oh, this is my place. This is where I fit into this community. I have a, a friend that attends Nichols and he always felt kind of distant from people at school, but when he started, uh, he joined a robotics team. And it was in this robotics team that he felt like, oh, these are my people. This is where I belong. And so if you've ever had that feeling, that idea of just feeling part of a community and feeling safe and feeling comfortable, you know, I think that this is just a taste of what we are being brought into and have been brought into by Jesus Christ, into the, the community of believers. Right? Gen Con is a, a foolish example, and it just pales in comparison to what the church is and what the church is supposed to be. Right. When we come into the, the church or uh, some church across the globe, we should feel that place of like, oh, these are my people. Because we come together around a, a single purpose to, to exalt and to lift up the, the name of Jesus. And so as we begin the, the journey of Easter today, the reason we're talking about community is we want to start at the end. We want to talk about what Jesus accomplished on the cross. Jesus accomplished a lot on the cross, so we can't cover it all, but we're going to be talking about how Jesus on the cross created for himself a new community, a community that would love God and who he could dwell with forever. And we're going to eventually get to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 25. And we're going to look at this passage of Scripture to see how God has done this, how he has created a new people for himself. Because the, the reality is that God's intention from the beginning was to do this, to create for himself a people. We see it first in, in the Garden of Eden in chapters 1 and 2 of Genesis. Uh, God has been creating for many days. Right? He's, he's separated the, the, the light from the darkness and the, the water from the land. He's created plants and animals, the sun and the moon and the stars. All these amazing things that we rejoice in and that we look to in creation. And then on, on the sixth day, he creates humanity. He creates people. And he says, you know, you are very good. 
He creates Adam out of, out of the dust and leans over and breathes his breath of life in him. He, he takes the, the rib from Adam and informs Eve and he brings them together and says, all of this is for you, this whole creation, this, this whole garden and really the, the whole world. And he gives them a, a mandate to be fruitful and multiply, to, 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 uh, to, to spread all over the earth, to, to, to subdue it. And we see in the, the first couple chapters that there's these glimpses uh, that I think probably happened all the time of God walking with Adam and Eve in the cool of the garden. It was just this community of people that he had created in his own image who would worship him, who would submit to, to his ways with whom he could dwell. And it was great. But then in chapter 3, many of us know the story that the serpent comes in and deceives Eve, deceives Adam. They eat of the forbidden fruit and this community, this place that God had created is, is uh, saturated in sin and it is corrupted and Humanity is separated from their creator. And suddenly, the community isn't this ideal place where where God can dwell. It is broken with sin. And if we read the, the, the story of the first part of Genesis after the fall, where God is revealing the consequences for Adam and Eve uh, rejecting God, even in that place, he, we see this glimpse of a promise that from the seed of Eve, God is going to bring a Savior who is going to crush the head of the serpent and is going to restore things back to the way they're supposed to be. They're, he's going to restore things back to this community that he's looking for. And as the the story goes on, eventually God calls a man named Abram who becomes Abraham from the land of of Ur in the Chaldeans. And he says, I'm going to make you into a great nation. I I am going to to build you up. And we see that that happens in in Egypt where the, the... even under Egyptian oppression, the Israelites multiply and multiply into this great, great people. And God says, through uh, this, your seed, Abraham, I am going to mediate my presence with the world. I'm going to bring a restoration into this community through your seed. And we see that fulfilled in the New Testament when Jesus, the seed of Eve, the seed of Abram, the, the son of David, the, the son of God comes and uh, dies on the cross to restore us back into God's presence so that you and I, when we put our faith in him, can enter into his presence and enter into this new community. And the Bible ends in Revelation with this prophetic picture of, a, of the city of God coming to dwell on, on the earth. And, and God is there. It says you don't need, you're not even going to need the sun or the stars anymore because my presence is going to be enough light for you. And so that's where we're heading, the the fullness of a community of people that love God with whom he dwells. And this community, as we see in in Revelation, it's not based on ethnicity. It's not based on a particular culture. It's not just the the Israelites, right? It's not just the, the Greeks. You know, it's not just the Romans or Americans or anything like that. It's every tribe, every tongue, every nation is going to come and, and bow down to him. And so even the, that picture of the, the diversity of, of Gen Con, all these weirdos with dressed up like weird things and into different stuff and from 
different parts of the country, some from different parts of the world, they all come together for a common goal or for a common thing, right? A common love. In, in God's community, he's bringing people from every tribe, every tongue, every nation back into community that will bow down to him. But in order to create this new community, God had to overcome that, that great gulf, right? That when humanity uh, rejected God, shook their fist in defiance at him, and decided that we wanted to, to do our own thing. And so God has to uh, overcome that gap, which he does with the, the blood and the body of Jesus. So let's just read our text for today. Romans chapter 10, verses 19 to 25. And then we're just going to talk about this a little bit. It says, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So where are we going to go? So Jesus' death on the cross created this way for us into the presence of God, and this forms us into the community of God. As we said, from the, the beginning, God's intent was to, to uh, create for himself a community, to, to draw people back into his presence. But he had to do that by dealing with our sin problem. He couldn't leave that Undone, And so he sent Jesus to die on the cross. And it says this, this is the first chunk here. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place. Right? And so in this text, we're going to see that the author of, of Hebrews, whoever he or she may have been, uh, in, in this section, sorry. Uh, in this section, the, the author makes two assertions to uh, since this and since this, and then these uh, three uh, kind of invitations. So because of this and because of this, here's these three invitations. So we're just going to talk about that for a, a moment. And the first one there says, Brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, right? we have confidence and uh, many of you know that I am currently attending Grand Rapids Theological Seminary. And in my, one of my classes, we got this great big book called uh, a Greek Lexicon. And it's, it's, it's like a big old dictionary of, of Greek words. And one of the definitions for the Greek word that is accurately translated confidence here, but it can also be translated as free and fearless. Right? So we have free and fearless confidence to enter the most holy place. And as you know, 21st century Americans, we, don't, you know, we might not know, what does he mean by this most holy place? Well, the most holy place is this letter was written to uh, Jewish uh, believers in Jerusalem in the first century. They would have completely understood what the author was talking about. 
that the most holy place is the holy of holies. This is the place where the the Ark of the Covenant is is kept. This is the place where Jerusalem or the the Jewish people uh, understand God's presence to be. And it is separated from the rest of the temple and even the, the holy place here by this thick curtain or this thick veil. And to, to, to grasp what it, they meant when they said that we have free and fearless confidence to enter, like that had never been heard of before. Free and fearless was not something that people associated with the, the holy place of God. See, only one time a year, one priest was able, after his ritual cleansing, his sanctification, to, to enter in to the holy of holies. But even this was a a fearful thing. He would tie a a rope around his his ankle, believing that the presence of God is so strong, is so powerful in this place, that if he is killed by the presence of God, this rope will allow people to pull him out of the presence of God. It's pretty serious. And yet we, you and I, because of Jesus, we have confidence we have what, what did I want free and fearless confidence to enter into this place into, by the, the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body. And if you read the, the, the gospel stories, we see that after Jesus' death, that this curtain was actually ripped in two indicating that the, that the way was clear. Belief in Jesus, the, the blood of Jesus, pays for our sanctification and our freedom so that we can enter into the presence of God. That is exceptional. And so when the author would say this, the, those believers would have taken a step back. We can boldly enter into the presence of God. That is incredible. And then in verse 21, the author continues, and now we have a great high priest over the house of God. And the the priest is also Jesus. And so Jesus, and we we know this, and this we're jumping into the middle of a very significant argument throughout the book of Hebrews. And we don't have time to dissect what does it mean that Jesus is our high priest. But what is important for this morning is that Jesus was the, the sacrifice. He broke his body and shed his blood so that we could enter into the presence of God. And now he is our high priest who mediates the presence of God. As we come to Jesus, we can enter in. And so these are the two assertions from the author. We are in the presence of God. So now what? What are we supposed to do? How do we respond to this? And there's three invitations. They all start with let us. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, with full assurance that faith, that faith brings. And this let us, this is communal language. Almost every time in the New Testament when Paul is writing, he's writing to a community of believers. And all those yous are y'alls. Okay? They're not, it's not a singular, it's not just you. It's not Dale do this, or Mark do this, or Israel do this. It's as a community of people, as a community that is brought into the presence of God, do this together. All right? Let us, as a community, draw near to God. 
And guess what? This is after we've already been brought into the presence, right? We're in the presence of God. We are free and sanctified. Uh, as we put our faith, we've been brought into the community. And now in this place of acceptance, we come together with our brothers and sisters and draw near to God. We draw near with sincere hearts and full assurance. So as a community, let us draw near. And then in verse 23, it says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Let us, as a community, hold tightly to this, this, uh, this hope, the hope of Jesus, this hope of eternal life. Let's endure this, this world and the troubles therein together. And because as a community, we can hold unswervingly. Individually, maybe not all the time. There's certainly seasons in my life where I have been so confident and assured in the, the love, in the faithfulness of, of God that I was unswerving in that place. No problems. I could do this by myself. But then situations happen, something can come that just knocks us down. And so in, all of a sudden, this confidence and this assurance and the goodness and the faithfulness of God seems like a distant memory. And it's at those moments that the community can come together. They can put their arms around you and say, hey, it's going to be okay. You got this. God is still good. God is still on the throne, even though you can't see it right now. He is good, and we're going to hold together. Throughout the, the, the New Testament, Paul uh, talks about these one another's. We need to one another one another. We need to love one another and encourage one another and greet one another with a holy kiss. I think we should bring that one back. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we need to, in, in all these ideas of, the, of community coming together to support and lift one another, to, to put our arms around when one person is weak, to, to help them along so that when you are strong, you can help somebody else. And together, we can hold unswervingly to our hope. And so don't feel, this is an aside, don't feel ashamed if there's a moment in your life where you're like, Man, I'm just not sure right now. Is it is this true? Is he really the Son of God? Is he really who he said he is? And next week, we're actually going to talk about the story of John the Baptist, and we're going to see how, how John, at the beginning of the Gospel, I don't want to give too much away, is very confident. This is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But then, just a few chapters later, as John is in prison, he sends his disciples and says, Are you the one that we expected? And so even John the Baptist... The confident one making straight the paths of the Lord had doubts. And he had a community of people around him that helped him to see and to re-recognize the truth. Come back next week for more. Um, then in verse 24, it says, Again, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Again, the idea of community coming and surrounding one another so that we can encourage us to, to press on toward love, loving God and loving the community. I mean, spur us on to doing good deeds, living out our faith in Jesus day in and day out. And he goes on and says, don't give up meeting together. Apparently, 
Even in the first century, people were kind of taking church as optional. Eh, I don't really need this. What do you think, Israel? Even then. Israel's passionate about coming to church, and I love that. So, go church. So, it, uh, and so, here, in the, this is the end of our passage, right? We have already, we're in the presence of God because of the blood and the body of Jesus. We've been forgiven and, and set free. And now we are called to, to come together, to not give up meeting together. Not for your own salvation, right? You already have that. But for the sake of the community, Right? Coming to church isn't just about you encountering God so you can kind of get some good feels, you know, oh, that was a really good worship set, now I'm going to go home. No, it's about coming together as a community to, 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 to spur one another on, to, to pat each other on the back, to weep with one another during the difficult times. And he says, don't give up meeting together all the more as you see the day approaching. So this is written to... the. Jewish believers in Jerusalem who were either enduring or about to endure persecution. Life wasn't going to get easier for these guys. Right? It was going to get rough. And so the author says, you guys need to pull together, to hold tight, because Jesus is coming back. The, the hope of the resurrection is right around the corner. Don't give up. You need each other. And so each one of us becomes part of this new community of God. And we enter into the, the, the kingdom of God through the, the blood and the body of Jesus. And as this text seems very clearly to say, you know, being part of the community is not optional. I have encountered a lot of what we call rogue Christians, right? They're just, oh, I, don't, I don't need community. I listened to a worship service this morning, right? You know, on... on on the, on the web or whatever, right? We have access to so many incredible teachings, teachings that are better than anything that I'll probably ever be able to, to preach. We have access at, at one click on, online, right? Andy Stanley, Tim Keller, Bill Johnson, all these incredible communicators. They're for free. We can listen to them every day of our lives, right? And we can listen to the best worship music, right? And Probably worship music that might even fit your style more than the, the, what we always do in a, in a particular community or in a particular church, right? If you're into R&B, you can listen to R&B worship. If you're into country, you can listen to country worship. If you like 90s music, you can listen to 90s worship, right? Like it's all available. But, e- but even if you spend six hours Sunday morning listening to other teachers and listening to and worshiping, you know, with great worship music, you are missing it. Right? You're missing the community because we have been called together as, as a community of believers, as a people of God who will submit and serve God with whom he can dwell. The word says that where two or three are gathered, there I am with them. And that always puzzled me. Where two or three are gathered, there you are, God? Well, aren't you omnipresent? Aren't you everywhere all the time? And I don't really have an answer. I don't really understand how this works. But in some way, the presence of God is manifest in a different, more significant, maybe, I don't know, way when we are gathered together. 
And when we uh, draw together with the community of believers like we do on Sunday morning, we have access to a fuller, richer, different uh, aspect of God's presence than we have when we're worshiping by ourselves. And if you neglect the meeting together with the church, you're missing that aspect of God's presence. And so God's heart is to have a people who will live under his rule and with whom he can dwell. And Jesus bore the penalty of our sins to make a way for us to come back into his presence. And when we enter into his presence, we are made new, we are brought into the the new people of God. And so what would it look like for you and I, for this community if we fully embraced God's design for community. You know, imagine a a place where you could come and you are fully known. That's probably scary for many of us. I'm going to be fully known? If people really knew, if people really knew what was going on in my heart and in my mind, they wouldn't want any part of me. But that's not what the community of God is. A community of God is a place that embodies God's characteristics. He knows us fully and he accepts us. Not just saying, oh, it's okay, that's not a big deal. It is a big deal, but I'm going to pay the penalty. I'm going to cleanse you from that thing. I'm going to set you free from the sin and death that is clawing at you. And I'm going to empower you through the Holy Spirit to walk a righteous and holy life. The community uh, should be a place where we are fully known, where we are fully accepted, and we are fully loved. Right? Imagine a, a place that you, are, you feel secure. There you know that people have your back. Imagine the significance of being in a community of people who are willing to call you out on your junk. The truth is, when I was saved, it was probably in the first couple years that I was saved and really gave my life to the Lord, there was, a, there was a dinner party or something on a Friday or Saturday night at one of our friends' house. And my brother and I, we decided to go have a couple of cocktails before going to the party. And, um, and apparently we had a couple of cocktails too many before going to the party. And every, I know, it seemed fine, everything's good. Well, the next day at church... A good friend of mine who loves me was like, Mark, what's, go- what's going on? Like, seemed, seemed like you were a little bit tipsy last night. Is everything okay? And that was a real uncomfortable conversation, right? Like, don't talk to me about that. I'm a worship leader. <laughs> Ooh, right? And it, but it, he loved me enough to say, hey, let's talk about this. It's not good. It's not good. What's going on? We need to, to have a safe place where people can call us out and love us through it. Right? Imagine a, a community where you felt more comfortable and safe than you do feel comfortable and safe at home, laying on your couch. And that is what the community of believers should be. Right? And this is what we are looking forward to and what we can experience as part of the family of God. This is God's intent for community, that all these things would be experienced here, that we can receive them and that we can give them. 
And this is what we get to invite people into. And that seems way more exciting right, than just some religious experience or some religious service where we go and we say our prayers and we sing our songs and then we go home. No, we have been brought into a family where we are fully known and fully loved and fully accepted and where we can fully know and fully love and fully accept. And this week we have a great opportunity to, to walk this out. We are going to be starting the, our midweek uh, life groups. There's one on Tuesday night, one on Wednesday night. And the idea is to take this content that we're talking about this morning. So this morning we talked about engaging with community. Well, at the, at the small groups we're going to talk about some of these things and there's just going to be uh, some, some other scriptures and some other questions and ideas to help us to engage. How are we living out community? How are we living these things out in our lives? And, and where are areas in our life that are keeping us at arm's length from God or at arm's length from community? So I think it's going to be a really exciting and life-giving time. So I encourage you, if you haven't signed up, if you haven't decided whether you're going to go, I uh, encourage you, there's still space for you. We would love to have you. Um, Yeah, and with that, let's just close in prayer, shall we? Father, we love you. Lord, we're so grateful that you didn't give up on us. Lord, when we were your enemies, when we didn't want anything to do with you, you loved us. You chose us. You called us to be your sons and your daughters. Thank you for the the blood and the body of Jesus broken for us to make a way for that we can enter into the holy place, into the presence of God. And Lord, we thank you for this amazing community that we get to be part of. Lord, we thank you for our, our friends here and the family we have here and that we get to do life together. And I pray, Lord, that you would strengthen our bonds. Lord, that you would knit us even more together. Lord, to love even better than we have before. Lord, help us to have confidence to enter into relationship, which can be scary. Lord, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.